From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI Podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, including how we can help you apply lean thinking, please visit lean.org. Welcome to another episode of the WLEI Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Savas, and today we're discussing the future of lean education, specifically how universities can provide hands-on, real-world learning experiences for students through collaboration with industry. Joining me are two guests with innovative programs doing just that, Dennis Wade from Oakland University and Lisa Eschbach from Ferris State University. They'll share details on the experiential learning models at their schools that connect students with lean projects inside companies. And we'll hear about the impact of this work on students' development and how it benefits both the students and their industry partners. Dennis and Lisa will be leading a learning session on this very subject at the Lean Summit on March 19th and 20th in Carlsbad, California. Head over to lean.org summit to learn more. Now let's jump into the conversation. Dennis and Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having us here today. And so uh, we always start these things with just a bit of introduction to our guests. So I'd like to start there. Uh, let's start with Lisa. Could you share a little bit about who you are, your background, and what you do at uh, Ferris State? Sure. Uh, currently, I uh, teach Lean Systems Leadership and Strategy uh, within our College of Business at Ferris State University. I also serve as the Business Innovation and Lean Center Coordinator. Along with that, I also serve as the Operations and Supply Management Program Coordinator. Uh, so before making uh, the transition to academia, though, I worked at Ford Motor Company and Vistian Corporation for about 13 years. And during that time, I was able to learn lean systems, principles, concepts, apply them, and also teach others about them. So now I'm in the classroom, have been at Ferris for about 15 years, and my hope is that what I share in the classroom and through these experiential projects that we will be setting up great graduates uh, that will be uh, future lean practitioners and leaders that will make a difference in the workforce. Okay, so both a professional and academic uh, career. And uh, Dennis, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm currently the director of the Polyglene Institute at Oakland University. Um, I've been in this position for 10 years uh, come May. Uh, my previous experience was uh, 35 years with uh, AT&T and the subsequent organizations that comprised it, um, basically in, in sales and operations. Um, I came here 10 years ago to run the Polyline Institute, which has actually been around for 20 years and was established by Dennis Pauly, who was the former executive vice president of Chrysler, as well as an Oakland University graduate and Oakland University trustee member. Um, that's something that he created through an endowment. So we, we, have a, we have funding within the Institute through that endowment. The interest in speaking with uh you is uh, your your connection to academia. Jim Womack, our founder, he he makes this joke that uh, the Lean Enterprise Institute is uh, just doing rework on teaching people uh, management because uh, he believes they're taught poorly in today's uh, business schools. I actually went to business schools, so I guess I'm part of that rework operation. Um, but the way you do it is really interesting 
because you're not just teaching lean in the classroom, but you're getting students into industry, into companies to apply the ideas they're learning in the classroom in a hands-on manner, uh, which of course is ultimately what they're going to be doing in their careers. And I'd like to dive into that subject. Uh, Oakland and, and Ferris have different ways of doing that. And I'm hoping we can you know, help our listeners understand what those two models are and maybe even inspire them to, to go out and try to connect with their local universities to, to do more of this stuff. But let's start there. Let's, let's try to understand how the two models work. And let's start with Lisa. Um, can you explain how Ferris and uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a lean center or exactly what it is, how it connects students to industry and the sorts of projects that they're assigned? Sure. We have the Business Innovation and Lean Center located right within the College of Business. And so uh, many times what we'll do is we will connect with our partners ahead of time, obviously before a course is about to be uh, launched. And so a lot of our experiential learning is with located within the course itself. So students are taking these courses and then, of course, engaging in the experiential learning along the way with our partners. So many times what we'll do is we'll I'll go ahead and do all the planning piece and engage with our partners up front let them know what our project requirements are then we will go into a kickoff meeting at the beginning of the semester the students will sign up for the project that they see the most interest in and so they they get to choose uh, what project they want to work on throughout the semester that really makes a big difference with the motivation just as a side note and then they work alongside with the partner throughout the semester in not only identifying the problem for this situation that the organization has um, established and, and chosen to be for the student project, and then um, they, they develop the solutions, they can implement the solution too, um, and uh, move forward and then present everything at the end of the semester. Oh, this the partners are right alongside them with respect to working with them throughout the semester and all the way to the end at the presentations where they are grading uh, the presentation as well. So the students have a vested interest in keeping a very positive relationship um, and professional relationship with our partners throughout the semester um, because they are going to be part of their grading uh, situation too at the end of the semester. And I, I saw that you've done over 150 of these projects. So how many years have, have uh, has this been active? Right. I've been doing them in the classroom for approximately 10 years, since 2014. The Business Innovation and Lean Center has only been launched uh, within the College of Business for um, two years, or almost three years, uh, so 2021. Okay. And, and Dennis, I'm much more familiar with what Oakland University does because uh, it's in partnership uh, with the Lean Enterprise Institute through something called the James P. Womack Scholarship Fund, which was established largely through the efforts of um, a former LEI board member, Matt Lovejoy, uh, to try to encourage this uh, universities taking more effort to get students involved with hands-on learning. Um, but could you walk us through the model that Oakland uses to get students out in the real world? Sure. Um, we have lean coursework that sits in three of our programs. Uh, it's in the engineering school. It's in our business school, primarily focused with operations management students. 
And it's actually in our School of Education and Human Services where we have a human resource development program. So we have three three schools where students can actually take um, lean-type coursework. From there, we kind of work with those students through the institute to um, try to put them into internships. Um, so the institute itself has developed relationships with 12 to 15 companies. And as they look for interns, we're very proactive in um, using those relationships to place some of our students. The other piece that I think we're um, been working with industry to a certain extent is that when there are third-party training organizations or organizations that create workshops, much like LEI or the Lean Learning Center out of Troy, we usually get seats in some of those classes so that we can actually put our students into an environment where they're there for three days or a week, maybe earning another certificate, but an opportunity to network with individuals in a different environment. Now, they're not getting grades for that, but the the real advantage is, is that usually we get those seats at no cost, so the students get to take this as additional type work if, if they're truly interested in lean. And then probably the piece that you're most familiar with is that for the last five plus years, we've created what we call a lean community service internship, where we try to find a, 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 a community service organization uh, that would like to have a lean project worked and we deploy two students into that project for a period of 10 weeks, and they work that project and they get to, they get to earn money for that project. And the funding is usually provided by outside organizations such as the Lean Enterprise Institute, AT&T, J-Bill, the Bosch Foundation. Um, so we've established those relationships with, um, with those industry partners to promote Lean and do some good within the community. And at the end of the project, the students are uh, providing a readout. And many times those funders that have supported the project sit through those presentations as well. And I think what we see between internships and these third-party um, workshops that they can go to or the community service internship is that we've built up their resumes so that they can try to find a job uh, once they graduate, and hopefully it's a very good job, something they're interested in. And at the end of the day, that was kind of the goal of Denny Pauly when he created the Institute, was that his belief that an Oakland University student that could demonstrate lean coursework and understood lean terminology and had lean skills would differentiate themselves from another student when applying for a job. And so we refer to that whole slew of ideas that I've talked about as student engagements, they just take many different forms. And uh, we've joked about this before, but um, it is it is amazing the opportunity provides students to build their resumes and access career opportunities. I, I, I've i joked with you, Dennis, that uh, I went to a liberal arts school, which was a wonderful education, but I, I cannot remember a time when anybody told me about the uh, need to get a job after graduating. <laughs> And it didn't occur to me until late in the second semester of my senior year, and I was so unprepared, I wound up fleeing to Japan. It was 2008, the financial crisis, so not the best period, too. I could have used some resume building at that time. But anyway, um, uh, so two different models here. I think uh, I, I'd like to clarify one difference. So the Oakland University model, it's an internship. Students are actually paid for their time uh, to support the projects, but at Ferris, it's part of their coursework, so they're 
they're graded on it. It's past, part of uh, receiving credits and towards their graduation. Well, though, Matt, I would say that our Lean Community Service Internship, which we do pay the students, was really kind of shaped by a program in our engineering school where the students do a senior design project okay. through the engineering school itself. And that is for a grade as well. Um, we just kind of took that model and shifted it within the institute and ran it as a paid uh, internship. You know, let's let's talk about the purpose behind these programs. Why bother to go through the trouble of getting students inside of companies when they're learning this stuff inside of the classroom? Why, Lisa, do you think that's an important contribution to their college education? Yeah. So applying theory to practice is crucial. It's essential as part of the whole learning process. So inside the classroom, we could do that through exercises, activities, and so forth. But I think when we move outside the classroom, uh, they are encountered with a lot of different other situations uh, that you just can't simulate within the classroom environment. And so I think when we apply theory to practice and they're doing this in the actual uh, setting where at the partner's location, they're able to apply that course content material, retain it, and then also a lot of times problem solve. And this is a real key skill that a lot of employers are looking for today. They're looking for critical thinking, problem solving, and good interpersonal skill sets. Um, that's another th real true skill that I see a lot of growth in for a lot of our students. You know, being able to function as a good team member, collaborate, listen to one another's ideas, be respectful of everyone's ideas, and then communicate effectively, not only internally within the team, but also with our partner. Yeah, I think um, something I've been, I've been fortunate to follow along uh, most of the projects that's that have been run out of Oakland University the past few years, and there are report outs that take place over the course of the semester. And that's something that really always strikes me. It's not just about technical problem solving, but those interpersonal relationships that the students have to form over the course of a project. What are your thoughts on that, Dennis? How do you see the balance between applying the theory and the technical know-how versus developing those interpersonal and, and collaboration skills? Yeah, I think what I see, and I, I joke a little bit about it, is that if you're in course and you're looking at a case or you're looking to resolve a problem, it's pretty straightforward and here's the solution or maybe here's a variety of the solution, but you don't really see the obstacles that apply when you're in a real world situation. So as the students are deployed into, uh, particularly in a community service organizations, they run into, there's budget issues, um, there's technology deployment issues. Um, you know, we had a, a, a visit today and there's going to be govern, governance uh, requirements. Well, that means you've got to deal with your legal departments. Those are things that an engineering student would never see in a book. And so the fact that they have to work through these issues and make modifications or, or realize that our, our recommendation for A, which we think is optimal, is not going to work here. We've got to look at solution B or C because it's more implementable, implementable from, from what the organization can do. So I think it, it really gives an opportunity to say, you know, it's, it's, it's not as clean as you think it is in a book. There are issues you've got to face and you're going to have to, you know, 
you may have that fork in the road and you have to go left and you may have to go right. But at the end of the day, you're going to learn from that. You're going to learn to collaborate. You're going to problem. You're going to learn to resolve problems or at least minimize um, the issues associated with a problem. And it and it's just not as clean as what you might see in, in coursework or within a textbook. Or an LEI workbook for that matter, <laughs> where it's uh, it's not just applying the tool. We always say uh, lean is uh, a socio-technical system, uh, the technical part being the tools, but the socio part being, you know, the, the, the requirement to not just work with people, but the responsibility to develop them. Uh, you know, so many people see people as the obstacle to the successful implementation of their tools. It's, it's usually just the opposite. It's the people. Who are the key to successful implementation of those tools? Um, so, I wonder if we could dig into a couple examples to ground this in uh, something more concrete for our listeners. Um, Lisa, is there a particular project, either one that's recent or one that you found to be especially impactful that uh, you're able to to share? Sure, I, I will probably be sharing that a nonprofit one at the conference. Uh, but I just want to share some another one that I think uh, would be valuable, I think, for the listeners just to kind of see how we, mm. the students, are actually helping the universities. So this uh, team uh, worked with our university eye clinic. So we have a College of Optometry program uh, at Ferris State University. And so we're training eye doctors uh, uh, to uh, launch and, and so forth. And it's a very good program. But they also have an eye clinic. And so that serves the community. And so, of course, this provides good clinical uh, experience for those that are in going into that field. But so I, I was approached by the director of the eye clinic, and um, she's very interested in lean she enjoys doing lean as well. And uh, they had a little bit of an issue with the ordering and replenishment system for one of their supply rooms. And so our t our students went over there and we had the kickoff meeting and started getting to work right away. Um, what we found or what the students found was that there was a problem of under ordering sometimes not having enough of the supplies on hand for the eye exam rooms and then for the fittings and so forth. And then sometimes there was an over-ordering, uh, so there was too much inventory. And because due to the nature of them being medical-related supplies, there was expiration uh, type of situations. And so the products were no longer useful for the clinic. Uh, so the students just this past semester set up a type of Kanban system for uh, the supply room. And uh, the whole little card system, very simple in nature, not overcomplicated by any rate. Uh, and it's very easy to understand, too. So now the supply room and all the users of it, including the person that will be doing most of the ordering, is under, understands the whole process, how simple it can be. And hopefully um, they will have the products they need when they need it and where they need it. So this helped out with reducing inventory motion, a lot of um, transportation, and a lot of waiting, We've, the students found out, too, because if you don't have the product you need, you're not only waiting yourself as the user, but the patient is waiting, too. And what sort of um, 
do the students receive any kind of uh, support or coaching over the course of the project, either from you or um, a, a kind of mentor or something, or are they really left to independently try to solve this challenge? Right. We we coach them within the classroom as well, um, as far as what kind of situations they come back with, like, oh, we had this meeting, this happened, this is how we responded, what can we do next? And so, yes, we I go ahead and uh, sh- help coach them along and mentor them alongside. The actual partner, depending on their level of lean knowledge, also is good at coaching the students, maybe technically, Um, You know, if they are very uh, knowledgeable on the lean side, and that varies from partner to partner, but definitely they coach them on the culture side of things. So would this work or not work based on who works within the organization? Okay. So they may get assigned or choose a project where the company has experience with lean and and the students may just receive coaching from uh, members inside that organization that, that they We'll be working with on the project. Right. Well, Absolutely. Really um, out of curiosity, how, how did it go with that replenish? Did they manage to to solve the solve the problem in the eye clinic, or uh, still is it un, not yet determined? Or what's what's the status of the of the uh, supply room there? So they launched it at the end of the semester, and I believe this upcoming semester we'll be able to continue that with training all the employees in the eye clinic. So we'll have another okay. team that will be oh, working nice. alongside it. And yeah, the course that the team is going to be working through is based on the training with an industry. So perfect fit. Oh, that's really nice. So it will continue into this spring semester and you'll focus on training. Well, probably a good sign if the partner company invited students back uh, to continue. Dennis, I know that's happened several times with projects that Oakland University has done where students return in some cases, I think for two or three consecutive years. But um, what which project uh, do you think has had the most impact, or that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to talk about a project that we actually kicked off this week. Um, and what we end up doing is we put two students into an organization for for ten weeks to complete a project, and those two students are given two mentors um, and. One of the mentors is a professor and one is from industry. So you're kind of getting an industry view as well as a, a view from the academic perspective. And many times I think our mentors learn from, from one another. Um, last semester, we did a project with an organization called Forgotten Harvest, which distributes foods to agencies that then in, then distributes food to uh, individuals that um, have issues with food and hunger. And last semester, uh, we build out their first what we call client market where they actually are distributing that food to the individual. This semester, we're going to kind of go into a, another project where um, uh, uh, they would like to create something where agencies can actually pick up food to take back for distribution, which is something they don't do today because they tend to distribute to the agency and drop it off. But this is a pickup at their, their facility. What makes this pretty unique is that we can use OU or Oakland University as a trial for this. And interesting enough, um, Oakland University has a pantry on campus. And if you look at the statistics, at one time or another, 35% of students in universities will have an issue with food and hunger. 
And I know that last semester, last semester we had a month where we gave out 2,000 pounds of food. And that is strictly on people that are dropping it off into our pantry and, and we're giving it out. And when they run out of food, sometimes they have to go out and, and buy it with funds that they they have through, uh, th- through that, that have been raised specifically for the pantry. So the goal this semester with those two students working with Forgotten Harvest and working with, with the mentors will be to um, work with OU on the requirements that would be needed on a monthly basis for food that they could pick up and, and address this issue for OU students, and then creating the process with Forgotten Harvest that would actually um, create uh, an order, uh, probably a standard order of some sort, that every two weeks there's food that gets picked up and it'll be left at their warehouse to be picked up. But, you know, there's going to be challenges to that. There's certain requirements. There's certain refrigeration requirements. There's certain pieces that the agency has to um, answer because some food is donated by the government, some is from stuff that they raise on their farm, some is from uh, stores that have food that is expiring. So we have the opportunity to create this process for Oakland University, and the more we can standardize it, the better, because then you could conceivably replicate that for other universities, or quite frankly, for other agencies that aren't big enough to have Forgotten Harvest drop off food, but they could come to the warehouse and pick up the food if there's a very simple process that we can create that that doesn't create a lot of a lot of chaos. So, you know, our goal is to kind of have a process completed by the end of March. Uh, we'd like to maybe trial it with Oakland while we're here and Forgotten Harvest would like to maybe put this into a service that they provide in the May, June timeframe. So um, we're, we're pretty excited about that project and it hits a little bit more at home mm. the fact that we've actually got Oakland University um, involved in this. And I also think one of the other benefits that we get um, working with these community service, I think Lisa would agree, is that students that get exposed to community service really see the value that it provides. And mm. so we're taking some of our young people, and I know it. 20 or 21, I wasn't really involved in community service, but it, now we've got young people that are saying, there's there's a need out there and it's something I want to get involved in. So I think we're getting some additional benefit other than just the resume building and helping them find a job and getting them through the coursework. We're kind of looking at them from a societal perspective as well, which I always thought was what um, Matt Lovejoy's goal was, you know, we, we want to do good by doing good, he would always say. Mm-hmm. I, I think we, we're accomplishing that. Well, that mission piece is, uh, it is inspiring. Uh, I know the Forgotten Harvest Project from last semester, uh, where students helped set up a new pantry, uh, Blank Slate. And I know uh, another organization that uh, Oakland worked with for a few years called Humble Design. It... Uh, it's a wonderful organization where people help furnish uh, new homes for people coming out of homelessness. Uh, they had a warehouse that was you know, a difficult environment to work in, and, and students helped the operations folks there over the course of a, a couple of years, uh, not just improve, I mean, the impact was significant, whereby I think they increased the number of homes they were able to furnish by something like 
uh, 20% or something like this. It was a significant capacity increase, really contributing to, you know, families' lives coming out of a very difficult situation. And so, um, you know, these stories, um, you know, aside from the the impact that they're having on the students and their opportunity to develop, it's having a real impact on people's lives that these companies are, these organizations are serving. Well, and I would also think that as they see the success of these projects, they start taking some of this lean thinking to their own organization, even mm-hmm. if we leave. Um, and, and I know at Forgotten Harvest, who's very committed to lean, it has kind of started at the, at the beginning of that journey. They're excited to see us come in and work with their team and, you know, it kind of rubs off, hey, here's a different way of thinking about it. And as we show them value stream maps or how to use huddle rooms and things mm-hmm. like that, they're implementing that into their thinking and saying we can get some real benefit out of it as well, even when the students aren't here. And you know, let's I guess talk a little bit about the students uh, who are participating in these projects. Uh, Lisa, do you see a significant transformation in the students over the course of? I mean, a semester is a brief period of time, three to four months. But over those three to four months, what do you typically see in terms of change amongst the students participating? Sure, we can see obviously the qualitative and quantitative here. I'm going to go there, uh, but definitely their skill set development it increases tremendously. Uh, just knowing how to apply all the lean tools um, from the technical side of things. Many of them come in with no knowledge whatsoever, mm. but they're leaving with this little toolkit uh, that that gives them the confidence of like I can do this um, in in another place, you know, in a in a workplace. So. As Dennis mentioned, just simple tools such as the value stream mapping, that's pretty powerful. Um, 5S, they do FMEAs, PFEPs, um, Mm. the A3s, obviously. Uh, And so a lot of great um, tools that they're learning and applying for the partner. The partners are using the standardized work that they developed as well, their job breakdown sheets. And so that really makes a huge difference from a quantitative standpoint. And then qualitatively, obviously, they are increasing their confidence level. They, you know, I can do this. Uh, we've had a lot of students that actually get hired by companies. I think Dennis referred mm-hmm. to that earlier. Um, they're definitely resume builders. And uh, the uh, their teamwork, uh, I will say again, is so important because a lot of these students don't know each other prior to the class starting. And they become really almost lifelong friends afterward. They keep connected with each other. And so that's very, very positive um, piece that we see. Um, they also are uh, definitely uh, more empathetic, I think, about the situation too, because a lot of times they hear things, but not until you go and you're actually involved in the project, do you fully understand why an organization is experiencing the things they are. Most organizations obviously are doing the best they can do. And sometimes it's nice to have that extra assistance along the way to uh, improve mm. the process. And it's uh, it sounds like this work is, is required as a part of the course. It's not optional. That is correct. It is part of the coursework, right? We have, um, depending on what the students choose, we have the whole operations and supply management program has about five lean courses uh, weaved in there. Four of those, or I'd say three of those courses have these experiential projects mm. in them. And then you could do a lean systems certificate, a lean systems minor, and then uh, 
depending on the courses you're selecting in there, they have at least two experiential mm. uh, learning type of courses if they choose the minor certificate. But yes, they are required uh, as part of the overall academic experience. And uh, Dennis, at Oakland, it's different. It's not required. Um, instead, the students, uh, I believe they apply to participate. But can you walk through what that process is and how you determine which students are good candidates for this work? Yeah, really, because we've got um, the lean coursework at the graduate and undergraduate level in, in the three schools that we mentioned, we essentially open it up and ask the students to send in their resumes, and then we kind of do a resume evaluation and select our students um, that way. Um, and I think uh, when we do bring students back, particularly um, from a continuity perspective, sometimes working with the organization, um, it's sometimes it's kind of fun to watch a graduate student work with an undergraduate student or a human resource development student working with an engineering student. So we're, we do a little, a lot of mix and match match on that. I think the other thing that we have found out, whether it's through the Link Community Service Internships or sometimes the senior design projects that we've, we've assisted on, which is the coursework um, requirement in the engineering school, is that particularly in southeastern Michigan, where we're heavily manufacturing, manufacturing um, hugely automotive suppliers, um, we find that students find this connection that they can take that engineering degree into a healthcare organization, or they can take it to Comerica Bank because they've got a data operations center in the Detroit area. So we're seeing that interest um, kind of kind of where they thought, well, I guess I'll be going into a manufacturing organization or a tier one supplier. You know, I really want to get into this healthcare side of this, or I'd like to get into a data operations group at a bank or a utility or something like that. So I think we've changed the mindset or opened it up a little bit that this engineering degree is a lot broader than you think it is, um, particularly for a student that's in the metro Detroit area where they may think they're kind of tied to the automotive industry, and they truly aren't. Mm. Um, getting exposure to different industries early in your career is so important for finding what you like doing. Um, and so, I mean, so many knock-on benefits from this work. Um, I do want to say it it's not a small amount of work, I'm guessing. Lisa, you describe, I think, three or four jobs you appear to have at uh, Ferry State University. Um, and this stuff doesn't happen by accident. There's a lot of planning and effort that goes into all of it. But um, can you talk about the process of recruiting these partner companies? How do you find all of these organizations who are not just um, you know, interested in receiving help, but participating in a real academic exercise? Sure. Some is by reference. Uh, so one organization will be uh, sharing just casually with another organization about the student experiential team that helped them along the way with the certain projects. And so I'll receive a call there. Uh, we can, I also have some uh, project partners from our, our advisory board that say, we'd love to have a partner or we, we'd love to partner alongside with you and a student team. I've gone to career fairs and actually um, actually uh, worked with uh, different types of companies that I've met there at career fairs, just sharing a little bit of what we do. 
And um, again, uh, just sometimes we have the repeat partners too. Um, so once you get out there, um, it does help. We also have on our website, on the Business Innovation and Lead Center website, there is a button that says, hey, I want to uh, select a project. I want to be a partner. And uh, they, they'll request a student team. And that's another way that we can receive requests for projects. Mm. And then what's the process like at Oakland University, Dennis, for recruiting these these organizations? It's a little bit different from Oakland because we have the Institute, which actually I, I, I'm the director of. So we kind of created contacts over the nine and a half years that I've been here. Many of those contacts still relate okay. to back to the AT&T days. The fact I have an advisory council, the fact that I also walk through the career fair days and develop contacts mm-hmm. and follow up. Um, and then the other piece of it is, particularly at Oakland University, where many of the professors um, are adjunct. So they're working for an organization and they want to connect with us. Um, we've also um, uh, have, uh, we, we use our development team to a certain extent, who when we created the community service internship, jumped in wholeheartedly. And, and many times, you know, we'll get uh, people that are serving on board saying, hey, can you come help us out? Um, we've seen your community service project. Uh, you know, I, I sit on a board, they could use some help and kind of how we got at Rose Hill, how we got at Leader Dogs when we did projects there. Um, so I think there's there's multiple gateways. Um, you know, the fact that I'm kind of dedicated to the, to the Institute is a huge advantage for what I do on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis where Lisa, you know, is probably a little bit more challenging because she's wearing very hats and in, in the work she does for the innovation centers really kind of on a volunteer basis. Mm. Um, and and I think that also is, is the challenge, you know, Southeastern Michigan, we've got a lot of organizations, a lot of organizations that want to reach out to the community. We're, a, we're kind of a path for that. Might not have as, as many organizations that I can, that I reach out to, Lisa may not have as many. So, um, I think finding partners in this, um, particularly on those community service internships where, you know, we're sometimes we're connected with their foundations or the people that are giving the money, um, they really see win-win for everybody in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of these organizations appreciate the help. I know in some cases with the projects at Oakland, a lot of these organizations are just under-resourced. You know, that's just the nature of a lot of nonprofits. And so... The idea of getting some assistance from some eager young people, I I would guess, is well, people jump on that on that opportunity. Um, so I guess the last thing I'd like to explore here is, you know, we're it would be great if more universities did this and more uh, companies engaged with their local universities to provide more hands-on experience to students. And um, I don't know if you can speak to both perspectives uh, working at the university, um, but can you give some advice or do you have any advice for either companies or universities who might be interested in trying to start programs like the ones you run? Uh, I'll start with Lisa. Do you have any advice or tips that you can offer? Yes. If there... <laughs> Great. At, at, at Ferris uh, State University, they have in, integrated as part of their their strategic plan this whole idea of experiential learning and community engagement. So I think that is a big key. 
um, making sure that you're aligned with your, you know, your strategic plan and that your, your strategic plan, if you want to pursue uh, community type of activities and engagement that that's in your strategic plan. We know that just from corporations. If we have a strategy in place, we have to make sure that what we're doing within the organization is fulfilling those strategies. And that was one of the things that we really looked at when we were starting the Business Innovation and Lean Center. We knew that it needed to be aligned with what the uh, university was already doing. And so real easily aligned with at least three of the five areas uh, that we were looking at. Uh, with for Ferris's uh, strategic plan. Mm. Um, so very important, I think, just to incorporate as part of your overall strategy. And and of course, um, Ferris State is always looking at being an institution that prepares graduates, equips them to have the skill sets that industry needs. And so the more we can do more of that with engaging in experiential projects uh, with the community, the better. Mm. I, it sounds similar at Oakland, Dennis, where that university too is so focused on getting students you know, that hands-on industry development alongside their academic work. Is is it similar? Yeah, I think so. I think the other piece is because um, we talk about how do you engage industry. Um, mm. You know, we've in in our business school, for example, they've created um, executive and residence for bringing partners in to meet with students. I think this gets into mentorship to a certain extent. You know, I have an advisory board that's very engaged in reaching out, bringing their contacts to us. Um, we built a program in the in the Lean Institute that necessarily isn't lean. But it fits Denny's vision of um, how do we make OU students more employable. So in our human resource development program where they have to complete an HR internship, we've built into that program uh, a uh, session where we do resume review and elevator pitch review and how to build a LinkedIn, do's and don'ts and social networking, and even to the point where we give them a 401k financial perspective. And then we work on their resumes with um, one of our coordinators over a four or five week period of time, and they come back and they do a mock interview with a professional. We've got 40 professionals that in a given year sit down with those students. We are building those relationships one-on-one. Our business school does the same thing in a program they call Achieve, where they've brought industry in to do mock interviews and elevator pitch reviews. So we've seen the schools get a little bit more active with how do we create mentorship? And I take the step back and say, well, I I understand it isn't lean, but the Institute can really manage this very easily. And we kicked it off and we've been doing it now for 18 months. Um, And I think it gets back to that pace. If you're trying to engage industry, people want to help. They truly want to help and take their skill set and share it with with young people. And and we found that's... uh, a fairly easy encounter to uh, to put together. Uh, just as a point, hopefully, that we've made throughout this podcast is that the different types of experiential learning that both of our areas offer, I think, really help prepare the students to be career ready. So a lot of times I look at our courses as being career ready courses. They have the opportunity to work with a real industry partner, 
and on real problems and develop real solutions and implement them. Amazing. You're both making me wish I could go back to college all of a sudden. Again, I, I loved my education, but weekends spent reading James Joyce. I'm, I'm wondering how useful that really was in the long run. What you're describing sounds a lot more, uh, a lot more helpful. Um, I still don't understand Ulysses, by the way. Does anybody? Okay, so to close things out, uh, both uh, Dennis and Lisa are going to appear at the Lean Summit in March in Carlsbad, California. You're going to be talking, well, I guess my question for Dennis is what what will you be talking about? What can people expect uh, if they join us in Carlsbad? Well, I think we're going to talk about the programs that we built that are, that are fairly unique and not the traditional coursework that you would see students uh, participating in. Um, I think the other piece you're going to see more detail on projects, um, some of the completed projects, how they use the tools. And the other piece is that I think to a certain extent is how you can be successful in, in, in building some of these pieces. In the case of Oakland University, we have an endowment we, we work off. Lisa's built her program without an endowment. And, and so mm-hmm. both those require support within your universities. But I think what you're truly going to see is that um, you may think there's one way of educating students. We're taking a fairly unique approach from both our perspectives, and they may be similar in some ways and different in others. But what we're really trying to do is make our students more employable and, and ready to, when they're hired, you know, hit the ground running once they're in, within an organization. Could I just add something to that? We I will also be sharing information with respect to what the students have to say and our partners have to say about uh, these experiential projects. So, and we will talk about the support as well along the way. Well, hopefully, uh, you'll have a full room uh, at that learning session in Carlsbad. Uh, come March 19th and 20th. Uh, Dennis and Lisa, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Matt. I'd like to thank Dennis and Lisa once again for joining me here on the podcast. To learn more about these programs, you can join us at the Lean Summit on March 19th to 20th in Carlsbad, California. Learn more at lean.org slash summit. And if you would like to contribute toward the JPW Fund Scholarship Program, you can email us at info at lean.org. Thanks to you all for listening. Until next time.